we're in this uh, series uh, looking at Daniel. This is the final of a three-parter in Daniel. And on the first week, we looked at being disciples of resolve and resilience, of being uncompromising. Uh, last week, we looked at values from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire. Of, of home, of courage, of dependence, what it means to be in the fire with Jesus. And tonight, I want to look at the word bright. Bright. And uh, yes, Daniel was himself bright. He was a clever cookie. Uh, but there's more to it than that. And tonight, what I want to look at is, is what sets us apart in a culture that is clueless. What sets us apart in a culture that is clueless. Now, I don't particularly mean to be uh, rude about our culture. But if you think about uh, back to uh, the Vision Sundays and when Jago spoke on uh, Jonah, and how does Jonah end? Well, it ends with God saying this, And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left? He goes on to say, and also many animals. He doesn't sort of specify whether the animals are clueless or not, or whether they can tell the difference between their right paw from their left. Um, but what we see here is that part of exile, part of exile uh, means battling, uh, very different ways of looking at the world, navigating very different ways of, of, of looking at the world, different values. You think about the assumptions uh, that you get on TV shows or the ideologies that you, you see on billboards. You know, even, even Christianity, Christianity is, 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 is so often used as a, as a wrapper around uh, ideologies and, and defending leaders that, that seem to embody Babylonian decadence. Uh, I, I find myself uh, more and more at odds with both uh, left-wing friends and right-wing friends, conservatives and progressives, because the, the kingdom of God does not fit neatly into our human uh, paradigms. Uh, remember what we uh, saw in week one. We saw that Daniel, he resolved himself. He resolved himself not to defile himself, even as he was being schooled in the ways of the world. We live in an age. We live in an age where uh, evil is portrayed as good and vice versa, where black is white. Uh, Fifty Shades of Grey is just the beginning. We live in an age of post-truth, where people's true north are their feelings and what they want to be. And uh, even in the church, we see people are losing confidence in their faith. And we have a, an information overload, but a discernment deficit. And that's what we see in Daniel chapter 2. Have a look at, at the abundance of options uh, for, for wisdom here. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled, and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. And when they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. And what follows is a, is a fairly heady uh, plot line of, of King Nebuchadnezzar telling the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers that if they don't interpret uh, the dream properly, he'll have them cut into pieces and their house is turned into piles of rubble. And you thought no platforming was bad. And uh, uh, so, yeah, pretty drastic. And then what they say in verse 10 is, uh, there is no one on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. Or do they? 
Uh, but before we get to that, uh, we see that, 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 that in this setting, the, the, the knowledge system is, is falling apart. It's breaking down, and people don't know uh, what to think anymore. The, the former director of the British Museum, Neil McGregor, he said this about Britain. We are a very unusual society. We are trying to do something that no society has really done. We are trying to live without an agreed narrative of our communal place in the cosmos and in time. That's what we're trying to do. Uh, when I think about uh, my favorite TV show is Would I Lie to You? And uh, the comedian and columnist David Mitchell uh, wrote in The Guardian. He responded to this. He said, this uh, seems to be a more persuasive explanation than smartphones or commuting of why we feel so stressed. I would hasten to add that even uh, as uh, commuting has diminished with the pandemic, and we still have our smartphones, and we're living in this age of digital Babylon. Uh, we do seem to be stressed as a culture, and the, the confusion is multiplied. We, we, we pull and, and triangulate our opinions and wisdom based on social media and what the network thinks out there. I always find it very interesting that newspaper articles these days uh, seem to quote tweets of all things. Um, the mob have a microphone, and people uh, both inside and outside of the church are looking for answers for, for all areas of life for all areas of life and we're, we're still scratching the surface of, of what the new normal could look like or should look like. One uh, person recently came to, to church here at HCC. They came on a Sunday. And uh, what brought her here? Uh, she was raised in a family with uh, particular political beliefs. And uh, she was so disillusioned by the results of the, the recent general election and the Brexit referendum um, that her whole worldview was, was so challenged that she ended up looking for answers. And where did she turn to? She turned to the church. And I'm glad to say that she came along on a Sunday, and on that Sunday she put her faith in Jesus Christ. And this is what she said. She said, I think the moment of prayer was ultimately a decision to jump straight into my relationship with God rather than watching cautiously from the sidelines. While I still think it's our civic duty to vote and engage in activism, I found a level of peace and reassurance in God that I never experienced in politics. And to a, a generation that is harassed and is helpless, it is like sheep without a shepherd. We have something distinct to offer this world. And the first thing that I want to look at, this aspect of, of being bright, is discernment. It's discernment. And so we, we see that the King Nebuchadnezzar here in chapter 2, he orders all the wise men to be killed. And that includes Daniel. And if we pick up from verse 17, uh, then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. And notice how he seeks his friends. He seeks his friends to, 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 to pray and to help him to discern here. And we see there in verse 19 that during the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. 
He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness, and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You've made known to me what we asked of you. You've made known to us the dream of the king. Now, there's so much that we could look at here. Uh, But I particularly want to look at verse 21. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. Not he gives wisdom to the dumb and knowledge to the fool, but wisdom to the wise. Wisdom begets wisdom. Discernment begets discernment, begets knowledge. And you, you reap what you sow. And so, so I want to be wise, I want to be discerning, to, to practice wisdom, to practice discernment in the little things as well as the big things. But how do I do that? How do I do that, when it, particularly when I'm not feeling uh, very wise? Well, what you see is you, you get the contrast here, you get the contrast between the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers and astrologers, between them and between Daniel. And today, you and I, we have the choice. We have the choice to to look for for scraps of of self-help and of life hacks and this and that, or we can draw upon a well of of ancient wisdom. We can be married to the spirit of this age and be widowed in the next, or we can be married to, to ancient wisdom, wisdom that spans time and space, the God who changes times and seasons. Now, what we see Daniel doing here, he, he doesn't go with the spirit of the age. He, he worships God. He fears God. He, he's ruthless with rebellion. He's ruthless uh, with rebellion towards God, ruthless with sin. He avoids the gray areas. He, he depends and trusts totally on God. He recognizes that, that God is the source of wisdom. And for us, too, the, the invitation is there to not rely on incantations, but the incarnation. We live on, on this side of the cross and the resurrection, and, and we know that, yes, the Son of God does live among us and in us. So what can we learn? What can we learn from Daniel in this whole, whole area of discernment? Well, firstly, uh, be ruthless with sin. Be ruthless with sin. You may be thinking, Jamie, that's nice, but what does it have to do with discernment? Even, even those small sins, when we, we say yes to them, when we, we, we repeat them, we go on with them, little by little, little by little, they, they, they deaden us to the Holy Spirit. And so the invitation is there for each one of us is, is to repent. It's to repent, which, which means more than saying sorry and paying lip service. It means choosing to go a, a totally different way, to, to, like Daniel, be resolved uh, to, to choose to go God's way. And what we see in, in chapter one, as we looked at in week one, is that as, as Daniel resolved himself to go God's way, uh, God showed him a special favor. Uh, we can also learn about authority. Authority. And since the, the advent of the 18th century and uh, romanticism, we've been told that, that our feelings, how we feel, is the highest authority in our lives. And then uh, beyond that, you've got the, the, the culture and the network around you, uh, which has such power, such influence here in, in Babylon, but also in London uh, today. And the question for us is, is, will God, will God be the Lord of our lives? And uh, God is, uh, is, is revealed to us in the Bible, and, and it's his word. And, and the question comes is, will we let the word of God have authority in our lives? There's no point going to uh, God and asking him for wisdom, asking him for discernment, 
but then leaving the option open as to whether we, we take it or leave it and take it with a pinch of salt, depending on how we're feeling, de depending on, uh, on the way the wind blows. And it's worth us just being honest with ourselves, really, more than anyone else. Is, is do we uh, source and pull and triangulate our, our wisdom uh, from the world and, and then we get a little top-up of the remaining 25% or 10% or on a Sunday? Will God be Lord of your life? Is that, that one of the, the, the key metrics we looked at, at at what it means to be a resilient disciple? And thirdly, uh, I, I want to mention prayer, the importance of prayer in discernment. In Daniel chapter 9, verse 20, uh, while I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people, Israel, and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, a word went out, which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. And he goes on. And, 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 and we see here, discernment is not about us getting a, a download, but it's, it's this dynamic of a relationship with God. Do you, do you see the pattern here of, of Daniel returning to the Lord, confessing sin, seeing God as the authority in his life, making his requests before God? And what we see is, is Daniel, he is given insight, he is given wisdom, he is given a discernment, he's, he's told to consider the word and to understand the vision. And this discernment that Daniel has, it's, it's a gift to a clueless culture. It's, it's medicine to a society that is sick. I, I love the, the quote that Jago shared earlier from John Newton to William Wilberforce. Wilberforce, he, he, he was a man who, who challenged the so-called prevailing wisdom of the day, the very, very evil, very, very evil system of slavery. And, and this wisdom that influenced Daniel, that animated him, that guided him, and that Daniel depended on is the same wisdom that Wilberforce guided on, uh, was guided in, depended on, and was animated by. And what sets us apart? What says, sets us apart in a culture that is clueless? It's the distinctiveness, the distinctiveness of being a discerning disciple. The other thing I wanted to mention uh, from uh, our passage in chapter 2 was we see in, in verse 20 that, that wisdom and power are God's. And then in verse 23 we see uh, Daniel says, you have given me wisdom and power. So it's, it's Daniel recognizing that, that wisdom comes uh, from God. But notice how our wisdom is paired here. Wisdom is, is paired with power, uh, which is the second aspect of being bright uh, that I want to, to speak about. This, this, this word power strikes me as a, as a really interesting thing to say because uh, Daniel doesn't uh, occur to me as being a particularly power-hungry person. I don't think Daniel's on a, on a power trip. But what we see here is that this wisdom is, is the kind of wisdom that has the power to change lives. And uh, that is the gift that, that, that we can have as discerning disciples to a culture that is clueless. Where does this power come from? We see uh, in chapter 5 that when the king Belshazzar, literally, he, he, he sees the writing on the wall, the queen says this, Don't be alarmed. 
Do not be alarmed. Don't look so pale. There is a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. In the time of your father, he was found to have insight and intelligence and wisdom like that of the gods. Then in verse 14, uh, the king says to Daniel, I have heard that the spirit of the gods is in you and that you have insight, intelligence, and outstanding wisdom. Chapter 6, verse 3. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. His exceptional qualities. The Hebrew actually says an exceptional spirit. That Daniel, he is a man of an exceptional spirit, a different spirit. A spirit that is different and distinguishes him. So what is different? What distinguishes us as discerning disciples? Well, uh, as men and women who who know their Bible, they, they know the ancient wisdom, and they also know the Holy Spirit. They know the, the X factor that people need when they're so stressed, as we see here in the book of Daniel. And, and that X factor of faith is the, is the reality of knowing that God, he does live us. He, he does, does live with us and among us and inside of us. And he, he wants to tell you how to will and how to act. That, that great ancient source of, of wisdom that, that, that Daniel drew upon. He lives in us now by his Holy Spirit. And his presence, his, his presence is, is what the whole thing has been about. It's, it's, it's where we're going. And uh, God, by his, his spirit, he, he, he wants to come in with his life-changing power to, to lead many to Righteousness. And today, where the, where the knowledge system is breaking down, where the, the system is breaking down, just like the system of, of magicians and astrologers and so on and so forth, people don't really know what to, to, to believe anymore. I recently bumped into a couple of people on the pavement in Clapham here uh, who just come back from a lecture all about manifesting, about uh, manifesting, which is all the rage at the moment, which seems to be a, a mashup of, of the law of attraction and the power of positive thinking. Uh, the Times wrote this, that manifesting is like delivery for the soul. Call the universe and it will deliver. It will deliver money, love, or the coolest trainers. Seems to work particularly well for those who've kind of lost their way but, but still have a trust fund to fall back on and, uh, and end up on Instagram selling collagen powder and scented candles. And, and, and people, but people want to know, don't they? They, they? they want to know how to live life well. They want to uh, be free from anxiety. They, they want to know what to do with their careers. They want to know who to marry, whether to be in the talent show on the weekend away. Uh, they want to know how to invest their time and their passions and where their life should be heading. And people are open to ideas. Just like that lady who came into church. People are looking for answers. And Jesus, he has the wisdom and the power and the salvation that people ultimately need. And yes, Jesus will give you good advice, but even more than that, Jesus is the good news that people need to to get their way through this life and get into the next life. And you're not going to find that wisdom, you're not going to find that discernment, that advice anywhere else. And ultimately, people are going to meet Jesus 
They're going to meet Jesus when they meet people who are filled with his Holy Spirit. If Daniel were walking around Clapham today, I suspect that he, just like he did in Babylon, that that he would have freed himself uh, from the idols of Clapham. He would be unbound and unharmed. He would would honor and respect and revere the, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit in his life. And therefore, he would have spiritual authority, spiritual power over Clapham. He would not let anyone look down on him because he is young. But like Paul said to Timothy, he would set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. And and so if you're here tonight and you're wondering, how do I bring wisdom? How do I serve those who are older than me? Well, herein lies your answer. Can I encourage you, do not wait until you have gray hair to have a prophetic voice to those around you and to a culture that is clueless. Do not settle for less. Step into your destiny. Step into what has been offered here for you of being a discerning disciple. Daniel, Daniel, he had credibility. He had credibility uh, because people listened to him. How did he have credibility? Well, he was really, really good at what he did. He was exceptional at what he did. How do you and I bear fruit for Jesus? Be a good mother, be a good father, be a good housemate, be a great civil servant, be a fantastic technician, a teacher, optometrist, a builder. If you're a carpenter, make fantastic tables. If you're a baker, bake fantastic cakes. But also pay attention to your character. Pay attention to your character. Character really does matter. Nobody could fault Daniel. The only thing they could hold against him is that he didn't worship the idols of their age, but he worshiped the one true God. Also pay attention to your resilience, your faithfulness. Daniel was, he was faithful and he was resilient over time. And also your witness. Everyone knew, everyone knew that Daniel was a follower of the one true God. That in Daniel there was, there was no sacred secular divide. That yes, the, the, the temple in Jerusalem may have long been gone, but the, his relationship with the living God was still there. And in our age and in our culture, Christendom may have fallen apart and the institutional authority and influence we may, we may have once had as the church has fallen apart too. But what a chance, what an opportunity for, for, for you and me to, to, to move from complacency to being single-minded in our Christ-likeness and to seeing that, that Christ-likeness cascade from our core into every part of our culture around us which is the, the last thing that I want to say about being bright. Not just uh, discernment, not just power, but bright in how you and I can shine like Jesus Christ. How we can shine like Jesus amidst a warped and a crooked generation. Let me, let me end with this. Uh, about uh, eight or nine years ago, I, I was in a part of uh, northern France on a vicar training uh, residential, 
a very nondescript uh, part of northern France. I think it rained every day uh, in, a, <laughs> in, a, in a disused, um, deconsecrated uh, Catholic monastery. And I remember being in the chapel one evening, and somebody was uh, speaking on Daniel chapter 12, verse 3, where it says, those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness, like the stars forever and ever. And I, I must have uh, loitered in that chapel quite a long time that evening as, as the tears streamed down my face and the awareness of God's presence with me so, so close. My encouragement to you tonight is that you have a glorious future ahead of you that stretches on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. The future is bright. The future is Jesus. And can I urge you to, to, to draw upon, to listen to and to act upon that ancient well of wisdom, the, the deep and the hidden things that Jesus longs to tell you, those things which are nothing less than the power of salvation to a world that desperately needs him. Amen. Amen, amen. Would you like to stand?